This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You know, Hillary, I thank you for that. I, I, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Fauci COVID thing. And I, I understand everyone's points on it. And everyone, you know, I get why everyone gets fired up about it. But like my bigger point here, and I don't know, do we ever get to the moment in our lives where we don't hear about each time someone gets COVID? Is there a point where like I, what of what relevance is it to me? That Anthony Fauci has COVID. I hope for his own, you know, sake that he does well and gets through it. But like, uh, why, why do I have to get an announcement every time someone of any prominence gets an illness? I don't know any of their other illnesses. I don't know if they have HPV. I don't want to know if they have HPV. Can you just just shut up? Hold it. Just hold it. Just a second. Breaking news. Just in. The President of the United States has bad gas this morning. <laughs> we thought we'd let you know. Bad gas. The President is okay. Hopefully he'll be recovering soon. But they gave him some gas X. He's been on gas X. We don't know why he has bad gas this morning. But we pray our hopes and our prayers and our thoughts are with the President and his bad gas. Back to the regular program now. program well yesterday the fed raised the interest rates three quarters of a point what does that mean to you uh also there's some some additional news it was very convenient that uh the economy the fed's growth estimate is down to 0.0 so no growth but the good news is their estimate is not in the negative category so we've avoided a recession right what's coming what does all of this mean carol roth joins us the author of the war on small business she is kind of our financial uh, guru on the program a good friend of the program she's a former and i like what she says a recovering investment banker so she understands wall street and she understands you we're going to talk to her in 60 seconds. Most credit cards have a variable rate, which is fantastic when they're raising the rates, right? You got to feel good when the Federal Reserve says, hey, three quarters of a point, because that's just the benchmark. 
they can raise it even more. And if your finances start to get rocky, it's adjustable, and all of those rates will necessarily skyrocket. Look, here's what you need to do. Get out of those high-interest credit cards. And the way to do it right now is right now take action and get a free mortgage review from American Financing. And here's why I say right now. With the rates going up, housing is going to come down and you're going to lose all of that money that you had just gained uh, because of the market. You know, I know you're not going to sell your house or you didn't sell your house. Don't lose that money that you have in your house right now. Instead, it's much better to take uh, pay 5% interest on a loan than 20% interest on a loan with those credit cards. Please pay them off and and find a fast and easier way to uh, get ahead if you can. It is uh, American Financing. Call them today for 10 minutes. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or go to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Thank you. Now I feel so much safer that the federal government has had the last word there. Carol Roth, welcome to the uh, program. How are you, Carol? Oh, you know, just watching the market implode and, you know, watching the lies come out of the the, the uh, White House. So just kind of another day under building back better, Glenn. How about you? I know. Oh, great. Let me ask you a question. Um, I've taken money out of the stock market, but I also uh, have gotten burned before by taking it out and then, you know, missing the upside, et cetera, et cetera. And my, my uh, guy who, you know, watches over my investments he's like glenn glenn it's gonna come back it's not and i'm like i know it will come back but uh you know i'm i'm nearing 60 so if it's back in 10 years i'm gonna start needing that money should you have any money i took about 50 percent out should you have any money in the market at this point it have any idea what's coming yeah. So, you know, obviously this is not financial advice. And I think that you did the right thing by talking to your financial advisor, because obviously it makes you know a difference if you're closer to retirement or if you're somebody who's younger and has the time to wait it out. The reality is we don't know. If I, if I knew I and I had this crystal ball, I'd be in a yacht on the Mediterranean and not on your program as much as I adore you, Glenn. Uh, but that's what I would be doing. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't re- have a program. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the reality is, you know, they show you over long periods of time that the people who take money out of the market tend to miss the biggest up days in the market. You know, in these bear market situations, there are these kind of bull rallies that happen. And if you miss the 10 best days of the market over, you know, a 10 or 20 year period, that ends up killing the the, the returns that you get on your Correct. portfolio. So I do think, um, especially if you have a longer time horizon, that you should not panic. You know, you never want to be the one who's selling when the market is down. That's when you want to be buying. Not that I'm saying to buy today, um, but you should be also 
hedging your portfolio and maybe realigning it. And I think it's a good time to maybe look at the types of investments you have in your portfolio. If you are looking at these high flying growth companies with weak balance sheets, you know, that don't make any money, you know, those are the ones that are going to struggle. If they have these rock solid balance sheets, they generate tons of cash. They're in an industry that can pass um, price increases onto the consumer. You know, those are the ones who are going to su survive and they're ultimately going to thrive. So, you know, that's the kind of thing you should be talking to your financial advisor about is maybe repositioning the portfolio right now. So what's really crazy because of ESG um, right now would be the time, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Wall Street. Um, but right now would be the time that you would think you've got to get into oil and gas <laughs> because they're going to make a killing. They'll invest and they'll bring, you know, we'll start to really boom and they'll make a killing on it. That's not true anymore because the market is not free. It, it, oil and gas, is that even smart to do that now? So it depends on your perspective. You know, I'm a, a follow the money kind of person. And obviously, like you said, the ESG push, the green push, the decarbonization push is so entrenched. You know that they're going to throw more money at that. And they've been keeping money from these sort of traditional areas of investment. So the question you have to ask yourself, and again, I, I wish I could tell you the answer. I can only tell you what to, to think about in terms of the question is, do you think that we're going to see a reversal, of course, because right now part of the reason that everything is so expensive is because we have had all of this capital being directed away from the industry and there's severe underinvestment in all types of fossil fuels and traditional energy sources. So the, the play that you're going to have to go through in your mind is do you think something is going to change or you know eventually here we get some temporary relief and then the green people continue to to march on and you know completely Gosh, I... kill our, our dependence on fossil fuels what is frightening is that letter that came from biden yesterday where he said to the oil <laughs> companies i will i have emergency orders where i will begin to direct this this is what hugo chavez did and it was over for venezuela Okay, so let's go back, you know, into, you know, whatever it is, 50, 60 years ago, Venezuela was the fourth wealthiest country in the world. And like you said, their powers that be said, we have wealth inequality, we need to hand this over to the government, we'll make sure that you are all rich. And they nationalized oil in a bunch of industries. Do you know what the median net worth in Venezuela is today, Glenn? Don't, I, I'm afraid. No, I don't. It's zero. I am not making this up. This comes from the Credit Suisse report on world wealth. The median net worth, they went from the fourth wealthiest country in the world to a median net worth, not even an average, a median of zero. The midpoint of the country's wow. net worth is zero because they nationalized the oil and gas industry and the wealth. So and is that is the trajectory they want to take us down here. So, Carol, is it is it unreasonable to say, I mean, you know, Biden is lying to us about gas and oil and ESG and all of that stuff. He's just out and out lying to us. Is it unreasonable to say that that's the way you get people to own nothing by 2030? I mean, it's certainly one huge element of it. I mean, just think of if we had 
um, you know, some retraction of our energy where one day a week we couldn't, you know, have enough energy to power electricity or to get us to where we need to be. And we all had to move to four day work weeks. Think of the productivity that we would lose. Think of how our GDP would shrink. Think of the rolling consequences of that throughout the economy. And yeah, that's a really good way to start you know, killing the ownership of people. But Glenn, they have so many different ways they are trying to attack you and make sure oh, that know. you own nothing. That's just one of the tools in their pocket. I, I will tell you, I've, I'm up here at, at my ranch and I am surrounded. I live in a town of very, very small. I mean, the, the next biggest town over is 5,000. Um, and it is... Um, it's all ranchers. I mean, it's all farmers and regular people, uh, dairymen, uh, and they're all terrified. I mean, they can't buy fertilizer. Uh, water is already at a premium. And now the state of Washington and the state of Idaho is talking about taking down the dams, which would destroy the energy here. And it would destroy all of the water. I live in a desert. Okay, it's a high mountain desert. A lot of farms and cattle are here. And on top of that, they're also expressing to me fear that they'll even be able to keep their land. I, I think these are real concerns, and I hope the place that you're in is Galt's Gulch because we've been looking for it for quite some time. Um, but the reality is that the wealthiest people in the United States, you know, the Bill Gateses, the Harvard Hedge Fund, they have all been buying up not only land, but water rights. So it's something that we do need to keep a very close eye on because the question is, you know, why do they think this is such a good investment? You know, they're they're looking for return on their investment. Right. So what do they think is going to happen with the prices that they're making investments in farmland and in water rights? It's a, an area, you know, it's one of those, uh, I'll call it a dark gray swan, because obviously we've talked about it, but really not enough people are focused on it. Um, and, you know, to the extent that, you know, you've got uh, this rationing of water on top of everything else. I mean, I, I can't even imagine that scenario and the social unrest that comes with that. So we have 30 year mortgage rates. They were last week, 5.5% this week. They're now at 6.28%, and the Fed raised the rates yesterday. What is this going to mean? <laughs> uh, I do think they came down a little bit intraday, but yeah, it's still very high. This is a very challenging question, and the challenging question is because we have such a supply and demand imbalance in the housing market, again, because of all the idiotic things that the powers that be have done over the past couple of decades. So we have an undersupply of its estimated four to five plus million houses, and that's what has supported um, you know, these high prices in housing. Plus, you have all of these corporate buyers who are flush with cash who are coming in and they are buying up. Talk about, you know, you will own nothing. They are buying up housing, the thing that makes people, um, you know, gain generational wealth. And they're doing it with all cash. So they don't need a mortgage. And sometimes they're not even looking. They're not even doing an inspection. So they're getting, you know, very, very favorable um, outcomes. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of what happens with the, the, the housing industry, the mortgage rates are going to keep 
uh, first-time buyers and people who were just, you know, able to afford out out of the market even further. You know, they were already hurt because mm. of the the inflated asset bubble. You know, whether that means we'll certainly see some cooling off. I don't think we're going to see like a, a 2008, 2009 type implosion because we just don't have enough houses, and I don't think so, right now people are over leveraged. So let's let's. Um Let's continue this conversation here in a second. Let me take one minute to break. But, um, you know, Canada said that already one out of every four houses, I think it is, uh, is underwater uh, or they can't they can't afford to keep their mortgage. And if it goes up, I think another point, they said it'll be like 50 percent of the people won't be able to. So is Canada different than us? Because that sounds like a 2008. We'll get to that question here in uh in just a second. By the way, um, Texas leads the nation. Texas leads the nation in homes being sold to companies like BlackRock. More homes in Texas are being sold to these corporate raiders than any place else in America. That's got to make you feel good. All right, let me tell you about the Tuttle Twins book. This is the way that you can teach your kids about business and economics and how to start their own business and why you should be an entrepreneur. Our kids are not uh, being trained to accept risk at all. There is no risk. It's due to them. They want it. And why risk? You know, the federal government should bail me out if I've made a mistake. Well, that you can't run a capitalist system with people who are risk averse. You just can't. So, Get this book from the Tuttle Twins for free. Today and tomorrow are the last day you can get it. The Tuttle Twins and their spectacular show business, you'll get it for free. Just pay for the shipping at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. The cost of shipping, you are going to have, everyone should have this. If you are a parent, if you are um, a grandparent, they have all kinds of different books. This one you can get for free for all different ages. But this one is so important. I wanted to make sure that you could get it just for the price of, uh, of shipping. This ends tomorrow. So please get this book now. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So over one in five Canadians expect rising interest rates to have significant negative impact. One in four say that they will um, uh, be forced to sell their home if interest rates are increase any further. So it's not as bad as I thought it was. One in four. Is Canada different than we are? Do they they don't have a shortage of homes? So Canada has a massive shortage of homes. They have a very different scenario than we have here because they have um, even more foreign investment that has come in, particularly from China, on a even <sighs> lower supply of homes. So there's a great chart, and I was trying to find it during the break, and I'm gonna have to have to circle back on that one. But I'll okay. I'll put it All back right. into my so we'll my Twitter stream. Um, but there is this incredible chart that shows the median income for Canada versus home value versus the U.S. And the home values compared to the incomes in Canada are so out of whack 
vis-a-vis where the U.S. is that absolutely they are much, much more um, in an area of a crisis. And I have friends who are in Canada and they go, yeah, my house is worth all, you know, all this money, but I can't sell it because where am I going to go? I have nowhere else to to go and downsize into. So that is a really big issue that is different for them in a bad way versus here in the U.S. Carol, there was a um, this really nasty socialist uh, extremist group that we exposed that is pretty much running the agenda of the White House. I At least I think they gave <laughs> the president, I think it was a list of 10 or 20 things, and he's done almost all of them verbatim, uh, except for uh, the last one on the list is just declare a national emergency. Um, and it's on climate. And it makes me so nervous to see him so willing to say to the gas and oil companies yesterday that uh, this is an emergency and he will declare uh, an emergency and just take things over. That's what he's been saying and leading to for climate change. I think this is going to affect an emergency with food uh, as well. And then eventually jobs. We. What does it mean that the Fed rate has now or the Fed growth is down at 0.0? I think that's intentional. So we don't have a month in uh, headed towards a recession. But what are we facing I mean, we're facing a bunch of people who are completely disconnected with reality. And like you said, they they may be the puppets of nefarious actors. It it makes absolutely no sense. And it's so frustrating because, yes, we do have an emergency and they are the ones that caused it. And they could get us out of this emergency. They could shore up economic security. They could shore up national security by just doing a 180 on policy. It's pretty clear if you're saying there is an emergency here. We need to do something. But it's not just an emergency today. It's an emergency for the long term. So it would be really great to say for them to say, you know what, we understand maybe we got this wrong or, you know, we're in a different situation if they don't want to admit they that do. they're wrong. And we're going to continue the green agenda. But we don't want to have fossil fuels uh, come out of of Venezuela or the Middle East or these countries who are going to do it in a fashion that's less clean. We want to lead the way with the clean fossil fuels. And we're going to we're going to become the leader. We're going to shore up your economic security. We're going to shore up national security. We're going to shore up the security for our allies. And that's our plan going forward. And I don't care. Take credit for it. Come pretend this was your great, you know, brainstorm. And none of us knew this. If you want the credit for it, I don't care. I just want to make sure we don't have all of those things that you talked about, the food insecurity, the rolling blackout, the social unrest that comes with that, and that leading us into full-scale global war. I mean, that is potentially where we are headed, and he could change all of that today. The problem is people keep saying they won't admit that they're wrong, but I, I am, and maybe it's the cynic in me, but I've just seen too much. I... Uh, I don't believe they are wrong. I think they're getting the results that yeah. they want. This is this is too um, too perfect in destroying yeah. the country. You know what I mean? You, you you can't be wrong this consistently. What would you do differently Carol, if you were thank- trying to do it intentional? Yeah, exactly right. Carol Roth, thank you so much for being on with us. We'll talk to you again uh, next week about cryptocurrency, etc. You could follow her at Carol J. Roth on Twitter or find her website, K. 
carolroth.com. Back with Mo Brooks and The Economy next. The Glenn Beck Program. Real estate agents I trust. If you've ever moved before, you know it is a massive hassle. You need to have the right person on your side. So how do you find that right person? I didn't know. I never knew. Uh, I just, you know, I saw your ad on a bus board in the old days. They had the biggest ad in the yellow pages. I don't know. There's actually a difference in real estate agents. And if you know how to uh, judge them, you know what to look for. You can get a great real estate agent that will help you out a great deal. I was working with the um, the list of the 500 best agents in the country uh, as uh, named by the Wall Street Journal a few years ago. And I got to know many of them. And we talked and I like how to, what makes you better than everybody else? What do you do? Well, there is a formula because they were all doing it. That's what we do for you at realestateagentsitrust.com. We find those kinds of real estate agents in your area and then recommend them to you as a free service to you. So you don't have anything to lose, and I want you to do your own homework. We've already done ours, but you do it as well. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Coming up in about half an hour, um, really a guy that I look to as a a high-tech advisor. Um, His name is Jeff Brown. He's going to be on. He's been on. He's one of the more popular guests we have uh, had on. Um, And uh, he's going to be on with us next hour. I want to talk to him about this new mini nuclear power plant that they're developing here in Idaho. Um, Is that reality? Uh, also electric cars, et cetera, et cetera. And the story that came out last week or early this week about AI. But first, I want to start this segment with one of my favorite moments on all of cable television in uh, of all time. Listen. You're simplifying, you're simplifying the issues that were on the plate of the nation at that point. I mean, we were looking at going re- reverting a depression at that point. Everyone, the Fed chairman. I disagree that we were going into a depression, but go ahead. Do you have a degree in economics? Uh, Yes, ma'am, I do. Highest honors. Okay, so... so (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That was Mo Brooks on MSNBC. Mo is joining us now. Hello, Mo. Good morning. And by the way, I want to thank you for helping inspire me to run for the United States Congress. I was a part of that Tea Party wave that you were so active with and... 2008, 2009, wow. and 2010. Wow. Well, I I hope you uh, return because I, I think you are really, really fantastic. We need an economic mastermind in there that understands what's going on. Um, so let me just, uh, first of all, welcome to the uh, program. How's the campaign going? Well, we're in a tough fight. Um, I don't know if we have time to go into it, but Washington, well, let me back up. I've served as an assistant district attorney in one county, a district attorney in another county, in the legislature, in the county commission, and now in Congress. And Congress is far and away the most corrupt environment I have ever served in. The question is whether it's legally corrupt or illegally corrupt, but it's very much corrupt. Uh, The public policy debate is corrupted on a daily basis by the system that we have in place 
most notably that to say in the House of Representatives to get a major committee assignment, the opening bid price is a million dollars. And if you can't come up with that money, you're not considered. And you can't get that kind of money from Joe and Jane citizens, so you're forced to get it from special interest where there's a quid pro quo. And it's that quid pro quo that undermines the public policy debate, corrupts the public policy debate. And that's why we're in such a heck of a mess in Washington, D.C. It it just sickens me uh, that that's the process that is being used for the distribution of the powers of Congress and that the special interests dominate that process because you can't get the money anywhere else. Well... Mo, I I sincerely hope you win. You're running now for Senate, and we need good people that are logical, um, and uh, and rock solid. We need some more people to uh, join the very few in uh, the Senate uh, that can actually provide some leadership. Let me talk to you a little bit about because because you do have a high honors of financial degree. Can you talk to us a little bit about what is coming our way? Well, we're headed for a national insolvency and bankruptcy because the public is not smart enough to figure out that there's no free lunch. That every one of these things that we spend money on, particularly the giveaway programs, someone's got to pay for them. By way of example, over the last three years, uh, responsibility is Trump, responsibility is Biden, and the major responsibility is the United States Congress. That's what covers those last three years. We've had $7 trillion in deficit. That's horrific. That is the worst in American history. And, and we've got a $30 trillion debt. And you're starting to see the adverse effect that this debt and deficit has on our currency in the form of inflation. Although, in fairness, there are two other contributors to our inflationary pressure. One is the Biden administration's attack on energy. And another is the uh, rather radical pay people not to work policies that came forth in 2020 in response to uh, COVID that in turn uh, interrupted our supply chain, which in turn forced higher prices. So you put those three things together, all of them are easily fixable. You just got to elect people to Washington that have the understanding and the backbone to do what is necessary to prevent this kind of inflation yeah. that's starting to run rampant through our economy. But that's just one example of what an economics background can do because you understand these things intuitively because you've studied them and you've watched them over the decades. I mean, uh, Joe Biden is still talking about more spending. He's saying if you had passed my Build Back Better bill, we would have we wouldn't have been in this. It, that would have made it only only worse. ESG, I'm I'm sure you're up on ESG and the Great Reset. Um, correct. Both of those are horrible. Okay, good. Um, and what Biden is doing now to the gas companies and the oil companies through ESG and then through also through the administration. Um, he said that this uh, this war was going to be tough. We're gonna you know we're gonna pay a, a price for it, but we're gonna cripple uh, Russia. Um, I <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. The ruble is the what is it the most stable or the uh, most uh, sought after currency in the world now, uh, and and they are making more money on oil and gas than they were before. And we're the ones being punished. Well, you've got on an energy level, uh, Joe Biden, who is afraid that the plan is going to end unless he reduces the consumption of oil. That in turn, his attack on energy production in North America, particularly with his attack on the Keystone Pipeline, but it doesn't end there, 
has resulted in dramatically higher oil and gas prices, which in turn is the bread and butter of the Russian economy. So what Joe Biden has done has dramatically enhanced the military capabilities of Russia, the very same Russia that we're dealing with in Ukraine. <clears throat> so can, can you help me uh, on, on this? We have given Ukraine now about $60 billion. That is the entire budget of the entire Department of Defense. It's $65 billion, to be accurate, um, in Russia. So they spend for the entire defense budget $65 billion a year. We have sent over just us in aid about $60 billion. They're now saying they're running out of bullets. So we're sending more bullets and we're sending uh, more money as of this week, another billion dollars. Mo, I don't trust any of this. This is the most corrupted, uh, corrupt country in the world. I'm very concerned that A, we don't have the money to do this, and B, where is the money going? Well, I can tell you where a bunch of the money is going in that last $40 billion uh, bill that passed the United States Congress, uh, passed the House with over 85%, passed the Senate with over 85%. Uh, the vote. Uh, the bulk of that money is staying in America, although in fairness, it's building weapons that to a large degree will then be sent uh, to Ukraine. Uh, I've, I've got an itemization of it uh, right in front of me that I drafted myself, having studied that 30-page bill. Uh, about $2.7 billion of it is for United States military operational costs. Another $8.7 billion is for the acquisition of weapons for the United States military. Uh, to a large degree, though, in fairness, that's replenishing our stockpiles of munitions like stingers and javelins, uh, much of which was reduced to uh, support what was going on in Ukraine. Then you've got another $6 billion that is uh, for the manufacture of weapons in the United States. So it's paying uh, Americans to uh, build these weapons, but that $6 billion uh, net result of weaponry, that is going directly uh, to Ukraine. It's earmarked for that purpose. And then you've got another $4 billion out of that 40 that is a Lend-Lease program where we're going to loan Ukraine the money. They're then going to buy American weaponry. Uh, so that's, that tallies up to $20-something billion, the bulk of which is, well, close to all of it is either spent on U.S. military uh, or is spent on weapons that are being manufactured in America, paying American workers. But will 6 to 10 of it um, go to Ukraine? And then you've got the humanitarian relief side of it, which is the refugee problem. The bulk of that will not go into Ukraine. It will go into Ukraine's neighbors who are having to absorb millions of refugees. Some of it will go into the Ukraine, but it's a, it's a hodgepodge of things. It should have been better written. It shouldn't have been as expansive as it is. And you're right. We should have offset it by cutting someplace else. That's the correct way to address the spending problems. Yeah. But this bill by, by itself will probably increase our deficit over the next, um, say, three years, because it's a three-year spending package, 1% to 2%, somewhere so, in that ballpark. That will be the increase in deficit because of this one spending bill. And we people don't realize when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, if I'm not mistaken, that raises the inf in, um, uh, interest rates as well, because we lead and and others follow, but it it raises the interest rates on our own debt that we're constantly renewing. How much? Uh, I mean, three percent interest rates 
uh, for our debt is pretty crippling. At what point do we just stop? I mean, default. They always say we'll never default. Yeah, that's because we'll print money. But that's that is default. That's the end. Glenn, How high are the interest rates have to be? Glenn, you're spot on with what you just said. The Federal Reserve increased uh, interest rates uh, 0.75% uh, yesterday, as, as I understand the media reports. I haven't actually read the Fed report yet. But if that's true, that's going to have a cascading effect on all interest rates throughout the economy. Sometimes it takes a while for it to uh, have that cascading effect. But 0.75% on $30 trillion, and I'm doing this in my head, but that's in the neighborhood of $230 billion a year in higher debt costs over the long haul, per year, over the long haul, as our debt slowly but surely is now, it starts getting borrowed at that higher three-quarters of 1% rate. Now, 200 and something billion dollars, that's about a third or a fourth of what we spend on national defense, and in turn, that 200-something billion dollars also increases our deficit each year because we don't have the money. We're, we're having to borrow the money to pay our own. Uh, I mean, it's just horrible. We're headed to a national insolvency and bankruptcy, and the real problem is that the American people are, have not been smart enough to figure it out. If they were smart enough to figure it out, they'd elect people to Washington and they're much more responsible than these debt junkies that we get on a regular basis. We just, in Alabama, by way of example, have a senator, who uh, Richard Shelby, who's bragging about all these earmarks that he got for our state. Well, it's all broad money. And Richard Shelby, he's been in Congress since the 1970s. He's had a long career. He's gotten a lot of buildings named after him throughout the state of Alabama, again, with borrowed money. But when he got into the United States Congress, we had less than a trillion dollars of debt. Now we've got over $30 trillion in debt. And he's probably more responsible for America's deficit and debt burden than any other person alive in the United States of America. But he's been elected for 40-something years in a row because the people like uh, congressmen and senators who bring home the pork. They don't connect the dots to, hey, this is your money that he's bringing back. We have to take it from you first with the federal government getting a cut of the action before we give some back to you. The public doesn't figure that out, and that's why we're in the economic mess that we're in. And ultimately, it's going to be a national insolvency and bankruptcy that has the prospects of making the Great Depression of the 1930s a picnic. Yeah, I know. We're talking to Congressman Mo Brooks. Uh, Mo, I would, if I if I wanted to destroy your chances of winning, I would endorse you. Um, but I don't make endorsements, and that's a good thing because everybody I endorse always loses. But I, if I lived in Alabama, you would be my pick for. Uh, well, you know senator. who you would I mean, be you're... competing with. You'd be competing with the executive director of the Alabama Democratic Party, who has endorsed my opponent in the Republican primary. Well, that's always good. That's always good. That's the kind of endorsement you need. All they need now is the endorsement from the Communist Party. And they, oh, well, they already have it. They have the Democrats. Anyway, Mo well, Brooks, thank you very much. If you would like to get involved with uh, Mo's campaign, I guess, it's, is it just MoBrooks.com? That's it, Glenn. And the election is this Tuesday, so if you're going to help, help fast. But most importantly, go to the polls on Tuesday and vote. Whoever's team shows up wins. I've got the conservatives and the Republicans. My opponent, Katie Britt, has the liberals and the Democrats. It has the rhinos, has the dead junkie wing of our party. So it's up to you, America. All right. M-O, I'm sorry to cut you off. We're just up, uh, up against a break. Uh, M-O, brooks.com. M-O, brooks.com. Back in just a second. 
<clears throat> Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's LifeLock. <clears throat> if you didn't have to worry 24-7 about the likelihood of, I don't know, what Mo was just talking, collapse. And then you also have to add pressures on, like, cyber criminals and people stealing your information online. Gosh, what could we accomplish if if we weren't bogged down with all of this crap? LifeLock. LifeLock will help unbog you down. It will help clear the path so you don't have to worry about just another thing. LifeLock is there to protect your information. Now, they can't catch everything. Nobody can. But they monitor things better than you can on your own and most places. And here's where I think they're really the best. If you do become a victim, their restoration specialist can work with you to help fix the problem quickly. And with um, with uh, LifeLock, you can also get the insurance, so if something happens, you don't have to worry about it. No one can protect all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now. 25% off your first year if you use the promo code Beck at LifeLock.com. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Promo code Beck. Save 25%. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. The Dow is down 841 points right now. Um, that Jeez. means something to your retirement funds that's just getting slaughtered. It is so important that you have somebody stable and intelligent and has a background in financial things and the Constitution like Mo Brooks. He's running against a woman who is the incumbent had been there forever and she wasn't she like his chief, chief of, staff of staff or something? I think. Yeah, yeah, Katie Britt, oh, and God. you know, very, so very entrenched in the, right. you know, very much the establishment ca- candidate in this race, which you know, horrible. Yeah, it, it horrible. doesn't make much sense to me that she would be the choice uh, in this moment. Um, you know, especially because like, you know, people on the left criticize Mo Brooks as he's extreme, and in some ways he is. Like he's one of the only people in Congress that care about spending anymore. So in that way, yeah, he really is a kind of an extreme. But the, and I think the type oh. of extreme we need at this point yes he somebody who believes in the constitution somebody who understands what's happening economically mo brooks please please for senate are you kidding me no brainer mo brooks this is the glenn back program